0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe.
1: Bring the Vegas gaming experience to the palm of your hand. Bet your favorite team, try your luck in a casino, or our poker room. The earliest sports
2: lines and the biggest limits online. Lots of deposit options. Bet on live events as they happen. The next play, the next score. Get
1: winnings fast or roll them into a parlay and win even more. Visit BetOnline today and see what millions of customers have experienced for over 20 years.
2: I want to hear cannons.
0: <laughs> Three-step drop, close on the end zone. Oh, ball! Touchdown, Tampa Bay! Mike Evans reaches up with one hand and grabs it in. Here they go again, Tim Bobo dropping the throw. once out of got those to the left. It's intercepted at the 35. Outside the numbers to the 40. To the 35 to the 30. To the 25 to the 20. To the 15-10. Mike Edwards. Touchdown, Tampa Bay. That's the dagger, my friend. This is the big nasty. Yeah, big
2: nasty. All fame Tampa Bay Buccaneer fan, baby. This is Mike Allstock, Bay Buccaneers, and
1: you're listening to the Cannon Fire Podcast.
2: Cannon Fire Podcast, brother! You
0: ain't listening, and you're missing out! Woo! And there, the cannons go! Cannon! Fire them! Keep on firing them! Keep on firing them! Hello and welcome
2: back.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, to a brand new edition of the Cannon Fire Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Rhett Matthew. Joined alongside me, my good buddy and co-host from BoxNation.com, Mr. Evan Wanish. Joining us today as well, former Tampa Bay Buccaneers quarterback, Sean King. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers are 5-6 and six as of this podcast. And uh, not the way you would have liked to see this team roll out of the bye week. Two win, uh, two game win streak coming out of Germany. Bucks got a week off, and uh, they go to Cleveland and lose it in overtime, twenty three to seventeen. Your final score in that one, and just like every other loss so far this season, there's a lot of finger pointing. There's a lot of blame game, and listen, we were live at Barry House yesterday, and it, for those unaware, Barry House is a brewery. So uh, since we were there with the podcast, they were giving me some free beers, which I had to take advantage of because. Safe to say, with how much that game stressed me out on Sunday, I needed to get a little bit of alcohol into my system. But, Sean, let me get your take first and foremost. For the Bucs, not a lot of great coming out of that game, um, especially towards the end of the second half, and then Tristan Wirfs going down. We'll talk about an update with him here in a second. But what are your thoughts with where this Bucs team stands right now?
0: Well, you guys are probably getting to know me a little better. Um, Now that we've had, you know – more than half a season of podcasts here on uh, Cannon Fire. And you know I'm always a big picture first guy. Uh, now I will say this, the stress level of, of being a supporter, fan, follower of this year's 2022 Bucks team, i would probably take a couple years off your life. But all, all I would caution is that as inconsistent as up and down, as bad at times as this Bucks team has been, as fate would have it, they are in the worst division in all of football and five and six currently has them comfortably in first place in the NFC South. So I would look at it from that standpoint. So I wouldn't go jump off a bridge, uh, but I would be very alarmed um, to come out of the bye and not play with again. You know, I always talk about, I can tell at the beginning of the game if the intensity is notched up where it needs to be. And right from the get-go, I was like, yeah, this is going to be a four-quarter game because they're not making tackles in the open field. You know, every time Cleveland's ball carrier encounters contact, it generally falls forward in the Browns' favor. We look slow on offense. You know, I'm going to say this. When Julio Jones looks like the most explosive weapon on offense, I don't know that that's a great thing, especially at this point in his career. So I don't know if – you know, what's necessarily going on in some of our skill positions. But even Rashad White, as great as he's been as a pass catcher, um, he's been effective as a runner. When he got in the open field, you know, initially, I think it was the second drive of the game. Maybe it was the first. He didn't look explosive going up the sidelines. So I, I just don't know. I don't see a lot of quick twitch, burst from our skill guys on offense. And I didn't see a lot of physicality, especially at the point of contact from our guys on defense.
1: Well, let me ask you about one of the guys on offense who looked a little dejected out there, and this has been cause for concern over the last few weeks of the season. That's uh, big number 13, Mike Evans, at the wide receiver spot. I know Brady didn't play his best day, but that connection between TB12 and Mike Evans, who is supposed to be your number one wide receiver in this offense, it just hasn't been there. I, I mean, multiple times you saw Evans kind of... I don't want to say give up on his route, but it just looked like he didn't want to be there. And uh, it is no secret at this point in the season that him and Brady, they've been making it work, but not quite as well as they could have been. And, and effort obviously is going to be brought into question there. But when you match the body language of the rest of your team and your number one wide receiver, Mike Evans of all people also looks like he doesn't want to be there. It's, it's not a great sign. Evan, uh, your thoughts on, on Brady and Evans.
2: Yeah, it was, it was a weird day. Um, because Evans has been up and down, um, and obviously you know, he's—if you look at the stats—he's likely to get uh, over a thousand yards yet again uh, th- this season. So um, that's another, you know, stone you know, feather in his cap, uh, I guess you could say. But uh, yeah, yesterday w- w- was really weird. Uh, they, they couldn't connect on a deep ball. Uh, when they finally did connect, Mike Evans didn't have a target. Then when they finally do connect, Mike Evans gets called for offensive pass interference. Uh, so that one comes back. It, it was just it was a weird day. And then obviously, I think the the big one that everyone's talking about is late in the game. Brady looking actually on the play where Tristan Warris got hurt. Um, Brady looking down the field for Evans and the ball. Now, we're we're obviously we're not seeing it from Mike Evans point of view, but the ball appears to be pretty close and Evans doesn't even reach out. It looks like he almost gave up on it. I don't know if maybe he couldn't see it right away. Maybe he lost sight of it while I was in the air, but that was the the biggest one. I think people are going to point at um, and just, there's something off right now about their connection. It hasn't really been an issue in the past, but this this season um, you could look at the, a lot of the offensive struggles being the it's like, it's like they'd never played together before um and it's not just Brady and Evans it's at times it was Brady and Godwin um which you know Brady and Julio and Brady and Gage like you understand those because those are new additions but uh Evans and Godwin those guys should be like in sync completely and right now they're not and I think it's really really hurting the offense but uh a weird day for for, for Mike Evans I thought Brady played okay uh like I said I, I thought he had three good quarters and then one pretty bad one and uh, the one pretty bad one was, was the fourth quarter so um i think evans didn't help him but i also think brady missed a few targets as well
0: the alarming part in that situation is as you mentioned it's not a lack of targets i mean he has 51 catches on the year but it's taken him mid 80s and targets to get there he had nine targets yesterday only two catches i would feel better if it was four targets two catches because it would you know it, it leads you to to come to the conclusion that we just need to you know give him more opportunities but he's getting the opportunities and they just aren't connecting so they definitely got to get that fixed if we're going to make any noise come playoff time he's got to be a big part of the passing attack
1: yeah i agree and mike evans has always been one of those guys too where you can look at a day where he only gets four or five targets two three catches and say oh you roll the film back up and see that he was double and triple covered most of the game because while he's been in the nfl mike evans garners that kind of attention and that was my assumption yesterday, but just like you said, when you go back and you look at the box score, nine targets and only two catches for number 13 is definitely a problem. And, well, and,
2: and, and you know, here's the thing. A lot of times when you look at that, when when you when you look at, OK, he has two or three catches. Um, normally, there's a touchdown there. He hasn't had a touchdown since week four that is very very uncharacteristic of him. Uh, on, on total on the year, he has three receiving touchdowns. That is, uh, it was one one versus Dallas uh and one versus kansas city i can't remember when the other one was but uh, he just he hasn't been that effective and in, in the red zone and a lot of its usage um but I also like this is just a very uncharacteristic mike Evans he's, year. he's gonna get his thousand yards which he normally does but uh the production that you've seen the past especially with Tom Brady, when, when he's come into the fold, you've seen a lot of touchdown production from those two. And this year, you just you haven't seen that. And the Bucs offense as a whole hasn't scored as many touchdowns. But specifically, Mike Evans just hasn't found the end zone as much as, as he should or could.
1: Now, let's offer a positive update on the offense for Tampa Bay, particularly along that offensive line. Big right tackle Tristan Wirfs is only Somewhat expected... Positive. Yeah, somewhat positive. I mean, you got to take the good with the bad here, but only expected to miss three or four weeks because of his ankle injury. He was carted off in that game against Cleveland, and uh, the last sight that you want to see is Tristan Wirfs going down. Because I think for a lot of people, when you look back at that 2021 campaign, the final nail in the coffin was was losing Tristan Wirfs. So I know that they made it a game against L. A. But with that game being as one sided as it was for as long as it was and, uh, you know, the Rams pass rush getting to Tom Brady the way that they did missing Tristan Wirfs at all is not what you want at this point in the season. But the fact that it's not season ending, especially after the spectacle that it was on Sunday, has got to be a big breath of relief for a lot
2: of people. It's very good, very good news. Um, Fox refused to show the replay, which I think was a Fox thing. They just they wanna they don't want to show the replay of anything. But it, it didn't look good. Um, it really didn't look good. Well it was very I, I don't good know sore. I don't know what I don't know what the corner's thinking, yeah. jumping in the air like that. Um I, I don't know what he was trying to do. But uh yeah, whenever the cart comes out for somebody, and especially this late in the year, you know, you're sitting at week twelve now, like you kind of thought worst season might be done, but it, it, it seems like he's gonna be able to return but there's he's going to be missing Saints 49ers like he's going to be missing some some tough stretches here so the bucks are going to need Josh Wells to step
0: up. Yeah, I, I was looking at this schedule. Man, we're probably <laughs> going I mean for whatever reason no matter what how New Orleans seasons yeah. going they seem to always Yeah, that, that's going to be a tight game. will definitely be underdogs to the 49ers and Bengals We've got to go to Arizona, so I'd imagine if if we're coming off of losing three or four out of the bye week, I mean, Arizona probably be a small favorite because we're flying cross-country. Then you end with Carolina-Atlanta, I mean... Can 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 seven and ten win the division? Win the division. Here's here's I mean. the here's the thing. So that that
2: that's six <laughs> games, right? That, that's six games. Let's say you know I think all they need to do, and this is you know it's a shame it doesn't even come to this, but they really go three and three, and I think the division's yours. Like, I, I honestly do think if you go three and three in these next six, especially if the three are against the Saints, Falcons, and Panthers, like, then that definitely wraps things up. This is all your division. But... Um, you know, it's no given, you know, we, we, we don't know. And they, they haven't played a complete game this year. So like the 49ers are looking like one of the best teams, in the NFL, the Bengals have really turned it on lately. So uh, the Cardinals are struggling, but that's still, like you said, traveling across country, it, it's going to be a prime time on Christmas. You know, that that's, that could be a tough game. So um, there's no easy ones left for the bucks. Even new Orleans, like you said, despite what their record is, doesn't really matter that um, they're going to play the bucks tough. And that's going to be a tough game.
1: Yeah, you know, we talked before the year about how fortunate the Bucs are to not be an AFC team this year. It's an interesting stat that the Bucs have yet to beat any AFC opponents yeah. this year. I think and, and four. Yeah, 0-4. Yeah, 0-4, and, four, and uh, they still have the defending AFC champion Cincinnati Bengals with Joe Burrow coming to town. So uh, that'll be an interesting game for sure, but I agree a lot with what you said. It's a shame that, you know, the division is as garbage as it is this year, but it kind of gives you shades of the Buccaneers' playoff opponent in 2020 the Washington football team at the time they were coming out of the NFC East, which surprisingly is the best division in the NFC this year. Best division, NFL. in football, <laughs> yeah. even, even better than the AFC West at this point with all the hype that it was given. Um, but that was a bad team that got a home playoff game. Right. And not to say that the box are a bad team, but mm. uh, if we're going to go ahead and put takes on it, I'd say the Bucks are a week to week team right now on the NFL losing a lot of games that they should not. Um, but with that being said, you know, no, we
0: got to keep we got to keep it a buck. They're they're <laughs> average the <to> book. No, <laughs> I, average. Yeah. No, yeah, I They're they're, I, they're, yeah. they're they're an average to below average football team as we sit here having just finished week what was it 12, 11 or 12? 12. 12, yeah. The the only reason that you don't categorize them as a bad football team is because of the resumes on the roster. Yeah. Yeah. So you always have that history to fall back on. And if they do get it going, it won't be surprising. There are teams, Texans, you know, um, Bears, those resumes don't exist. Those are bad teams. So, but the Bucks are average to below average currently. We're just hoping that these resumes, you know, resurrect themselves and, and we start to see it. Uh, I, I know it. I know one of the interesting things, I don't know if you guys saw the uh, Todd Bowles uh, speech that I retweeted when he was talking to the team. He doesn't seem panicked, which is a very good thing. Like, he yeah. seems to be kind of, in a sense, like getting his guys to understand, you know, we got to block everything out outside and we got to focus on us. Um, their lack of physicality at the point of contact was alarming to me. I mean, we had nobody playing well, oh, I take that back. I thought Levante David made some nice plays, but he was maybe the only one. I got secondary I mean from a physicality standpoint it was non existent. one guy
2: one guy I thought I thought Keanu Neal flashed a little bit. Um but yeah. He could, other he than, could have had other two than sacks. Yeah, he could have had two sacks. Jacoby Brissett's a big boy though. He, he's he's tough to bring down. Um
0: Man, Jacoby Brissett hadn't run like that versus anybody. <laughs> he's been a bump.
1: Uh, we man, we were joking. <laughs> We were joking at the uh, we were joking at the watch party. He looks like so honest to God. When you when you pull up the replay of Jacoby Brissett running the way that he did, he looks like if Tom Brady ran a little bit faster, like same motion. He, maybe, he yeah. the, uh, maybe he went to I the – maybe he went to the TB12. I mean, he did He did play for New England with Brady. So. Yeah, the TB12 scrambling school. But um, those guys looked pretty similar, and he shouldn't be able to do that the way that he did to Tampa Bay. But let's talk a little bit more about this Bucs team and this coaching staff in particular because they have obviously been feeling the heat so far this week, even though it's just Monday. Uh, I agree a lot with what you said regarding the Bucs, and somebody put it better than I could. But I think the best way to describe it is it's – you know, it's B-plus talent on a C-minus team. Like I would, I would
2: argue it's it's more than B-plus talent. Yeah,
1: I mean, A-minus if you have to, you know, it's A-talent on it's a, a C-plus team right now. And a lot of people are going to point the finger at Todd Bowles. And a lot of people have talked about Todd Bowles today because of a questionable coaching decision regarding keeping two timeouts in your pocket to end the game against Cleveland. The Bucks had a chance to stop the clock knowing Tom Brady was going to get the ball back. And they really didn't. They kind of just let the clock burn down. And uh, when he was asked about it today at the podium, he had basically said, well, uh, there's always uh, the risk that you run of Tom Brady throwing an interception in that position. And I'm going to be honest with you. I understand the logic, but l- let's let's look at statistically where we are th- so far this year. I think even with the lack of offensive production Tom Brady has the best touchdown to interception ratio in the NFL with only yes. two picks on the year. So, I, I mean, that, I hate to say it, but like that excuse just isn't, isn't, isn't good enough for me. And I don't think it's good enough for a lot of other people. Um, how, how do you feel Sean regarding the way that the Buccaneers, you know, their, their time management at the end of the game, do you think it let them down?
0: Well, in my opinion, I mean, he just mismanaged it. And I don't care if yeah. he got Zach Wilson at quarterback, I mean, you have to be aggressive in these situations and try and win because you don't control the outcome of how overtime happens and try you know, because if you lose a toss, you know, you may not ever get the ball. So, you know, I, I definitely thought they should have taken some timeouts those last couple plays for the Browns. Uh it became even more evident once the Bucs got to about midfield and only had eight seconds left when at the same you know, sequence of plays happens and you use two of those timeouts, they're in that position with 35, 40 seconds uh-huh. left on the clock. And he's not having to force the ball. You know, you might even go run the football and pick up and get in the field goal range and get Ryan Sucker a chance to win that thing in regulation. So I, I just think it was mismanaged, you know, by Todd. Um, I think maybe he had a little bit too much faith in his defense. And, and I think maybe that kind of short-circuited his wire, wires a little bit, and we're going to get this stop. You know, our guys are going to come through. They're going to make a play. That is his side of the ball. There's a lot of pride, you know, that he has. But the right thing to do was, was, was utilize those timeouts and, and, you know, have at least a, probably another 40, 50 seconds on that clock when, when Tom got the, got the ball for the last time in regulation.
2: Yeah, I mean, Tom Brady's your quarterback. Like, just like you said, you go out and you try to win the game. Like there was plenty of time when you have three timeouts, I would have understood if they had like one timeout. All right, you take a shot, doesn't work, whatever. But when you have all three timeouts, they don't roll over. Like you're not getting four timeouts for for overtime. Uh, it, it doesn't make any sense. Um, after that Rashad White play, his basically his explanation was. If they would have gotten a big play on that, they would have taken a timeout. But if they run, ran that play and it went nowhere, they weren't going to take a chance. Rashad White gets about two yards or so. But that's that's not good enough. At that point, it would have been like second and eight. With If you would have called a timeout right away with like 26 seconds left, and you still would have had two timeouts, that is plenty of time to get in a field goal range. And to, to your excuses, oh, we didn't want to throw an interception. That's not... Like, if you had Jameis Winston as your quarterback who's, you know, prone to turnovers, or even if Brady had thrown, you know, oh, he already threw two on the day, like you didn't want a third. Okay, maybe. But when you have a quarterback who's protecting the ball very well, you got
0: to trust him in that situation. And right now, they don't
2: show trust in Tom Brady in that situation. That's
0: laughing. And, and to me, the quarterback is irrelevant. I mean, you just mismanage the timeouts. Yeah, but
2: like, I, I, mean, I, I, I mean, it's I worse I when your quarterback's Tom Brady. It's worse. Right.
0: But, I mean, you got to try and win the game. You're on the road. They just drove the length of the field. I mean, listen, you can't play conservative at the end of those games. Look at the Detroit Lions against the Buffalo Bills. Mm-hmm. They get that ball. They're playing for the field goal, that whole drive on Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. And instead of going for the touchdown. And you get a ball back to Josh Allen. He goes down there and beat you. Like, you can't play – Conservative at the end of games. I believe in being conservative early in games. I believe you should take three points. I believe three points add up over the course of the game. But once you get to the end of the game, I think you got to go all out and, and try and win the game because man, overtime is too unpredictable, y'all. It, it's way yeah. too unpredictable. I,
1: I think for Tampa Bay this season in particular, it's tough to it's tough to evaluate topics like this because I want to ask you a question about the coaching staff, Sean. While we are on the topic. It's tough to evaluate these topics because the Bucs are in a quote-unquote win-now mode. And even though they are sitting at five and six, still first place in the NFC South and still have just as much of a playoff game chance this week as they did last week. So with that being said, um, you look at this coaching staff, you look at Todd Bowles, some of the decisions that have been made this year. Unfortunately, with what we have seen you know Stuff like what happened in Cleveland, we talk about the the lack of time management at the end of the game. There was another fourth down where the Bucks decided to let the clock run, and it seemed like Tom wanted to go for it, and they made the decision not to do that. And it ultimately ended up in no points, if I remember correctly, which is exactly... They, what they, they punted.
2: Right. It, it was a fourth and two on a Cleveland 37, and you punted.
1: Yeah. I mean, you're on their side of the field. I hate to say it. We've said it before on the show. Um, Evan, you said it. Uh, Todd Bowles ball philosophy. <laughs> Bowles <laughs> ball is coward ball so far this year, based off of what we've seen. I mean, with Bruce Arians, no risk at no biscuit was a thing. You know, fourth and two on the Cleveland 37, you bet your yeah, ass it, they're, they're going, going for it. Yeah. I mean, there's no reason to take your offense off of the field. And, um, you know, this philosophy with Todd Bowles uh, has obviously affected this team this year. I know a couple of of injuries are going to help with that, the offensive line not blocking the best, execution errors, that's not on the coaching staff. But at the end of the day, I think there is a certain level of blame because we've talked week in and week out about guys looking dejected on the football field. Tom Brady brought in the level of effort with this football team a couple of weeks ago before they started winning some more games. I mean, what what is the issue here? Because in a win-now attitude, it's tough to say that you know, it's hard to, to can Todd Bowles and Byron Leftwich after this season because Brady may not even be here. Um, so with that being said, like, what's going to happen at the end of the year? You know what I mean? Like, is it, is it unfair to treat Todd Bowles this way after 11 games as Bucks head coach? Or is it one of those things where, you know, the damage has been done and it doesn't seem like this coaching staff is going to figure it out this
0: year? Well, I just don't think you can make a – uh, a fair evaluation or even an accurate assumption until the season's over because yeah. they sit in first. If they were in the NFC East and they were five and six and sitting in last, I mean, that's a different story. But, I mean, they're still – you don't fire the coach on year they win the division in his first year. Like, it's the first year as a head coach. Let's just say they're putting another banner up, well, NFC they- South. 2022 champs. that's the year you're gonna fire I me mean, and and on. this is this is a bucks team not
1: to not to forget I mean how many division titles did they win in the 2010s one right two yeah so,
2: so, I mean yeah. come on zero is that right
0: really? yeah and you have to <laughs> and you have to remember that this hasn't been a normal year for Todd Bowles. I mean you've got to think about all the stuff that's happened off the field uh the transitional stage phase that the offensive line is in you know, losing Dominican Sue, Jason, Pierre, Paul. So I, I think you have to understand when you evaluate Todd Holes, you can't evaluate him through the Bruce Arians prism because it's not the same team that Bruce Arians coached. You know, Bruce had the three interior linemen. You know, Bruce had Sue and Pierre Paul. You know, he had this group a year younger. He had Brady without all the public off the field stuff in the offseason. So it, it's a different situation scenario. And uh, we just got to see how it plays itself out.
2: You know, that that that's fair. Like, that is fair. You know, he had Alex Kappa. He had Ali Marpet. He had Ryan Jensen. He had Rob Gronkowski, um, He had you know, Antonio Brown. But at the same time, you know, you talk about a standard, you know, and, and a culture. And to me, like, there's no lock that they're going to win this division. Like, like there is no law I mean if they lose oh, Monday, absolutely not you know if, if if they lose Monday night they will have the same exact record as the Saints and if the Falcons win on Sunday and the Bucks lose the Falcons will be in first place so if they don't win the division like I I just I just don't see what the point would be in in keeping it um, if they don't win the division, if they do, I agree. It's it's tough to tough to fire a guy when you're when you're hanging up a banner, um, you know, unless you get just get absolutely embarrassed in, in the wild card. But I, so, I understand that. Evan, but.
0: Evan, let me let me ask you a question. When they announced that Bruce Arians was retiring, right? Uh, I wasn't on the podcast with you guys at that time, um, so I don't know your opinions. What do you think when they announced that Todd Bowles will become the head coach? I.
2: Personally, would have and and this is probably a bad on me in hindsight. I would have rather Byron Leftwich, um, just because Bowles already had a, a turn at head coach. I would have liked to seen a fresh, you know, fresh approach. You know, Byron Leftwich would have been a first year head coach. I would have liked to have seen what that would have looked like. And plus, some guys are just better defensive coordinators, man. Like I think Tom Bowles is one of the best defensive minds in the NFL. But some guys just don't work as, as as head coaches, and I would have much rather seen a guy like Byron Leftwich get that opportunity uh, than Todd Bowles. I was okay with it. I didn't I didn't come on the show and say, "Oh, they're they're doomed," but I I felt. Underwhelmed, Uh, but also I thought it might have been the expected thing. Once, once Todd Bowles was interviewing for jobs, didn't get one. I was like, okay, it might might be Bowles' job. But I personally would have given it to Leftwich, which doesn't look great right now.
0: (laughs) Do Do you think if you had been of the opinion that this is the perfect hire, that your evaluation would be different of Todd sitting at five and six, number one in the NFC South? And I ask that because a lot of times this is how I like. You know ask myself questions like if I come into the season thinking that I, I thought the Miami Hurricanes were gonna compete for the ACC championship I mean I mean that's a dumpster fire going on down there, right? So now, when I'm asked to evaluate how the season is gone, do I try and defend my pre-flop opinion or do I say you know I was dead wrong I was de- I mean you can they're not defendable, but you know sometimes I always like ask myself, did how I feel when this first happened impact? like how I am evaluating currently.
2: Yeah. I, I mean, I, I, I get it. And like, if I, if I really like the higher, you know, five and six though, is always just despite your division, like five and six is five and six. Like I, I, I still, I, you know, despite me being a little underwhelmed on our season prediction show, redhead, I'm going 12 and five. I still have him going 11 and six. Like, and, and by the way, Rhett's prediction is officially wrong yeah. now. Yeah, no, I know. My, my prediction still right alive. Why
0: you throwing you under the bus, man? No, <laughs> I, all
2: right. So, th- 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 well, th- I mean, that's what he loves to do. But
1: we came into this year and uh, two years in a row, I had a correct record prediction. He had three years in a row. So, I mean, they still have time to write the ship, obviously. Yeah, I'm, I'm, but I'm you're, looking like
2: my street driver yeah,
1: too. are 11 and 6 is hanging on by a thread there, pal. Yeah. But I, I will tell you, my opinion on the Bulls higher. Um, I probably had a little bit more of a positive outlook on it than Evan just because I had enough faith in Todd Bowles based off of that one year that he had in New York with a pretty decent roster, All right? Went 10-6, and six, and then after that, the wheels kind of fell off, but people had said that, that those Jets teams were getting worse and worse as the years went on. Like, it
2: wasn't like and, they were... And this is this is year one of Todd Bowles in our 5-6. and six.
1: Right, right, and, and that's the scary part, but I kind of thought the transition would be a little more... Uh, I thought it would be would, smoother. I, I thought it would. You know, I, I thought at the end of the day, even with Todd Bowles as your head coach in a lot of ways, this would still be an offensive football team. I think a lot of people thought that that way, and that's why they were so shocked uh at the beginning of the year when the Bucks weren't producing the way that we wanted them to. Um, you know, but I I, I gotta say, even though I liked the hire and I still had faith in Bowles, I just I Maybe I'm speaking too soon here, but I get this gut feeling deep down that, like, I really just don't think they're going to be able to turn this thing no, around. It,
2: I, I, it, it feels like a waste of time to me. Like, it just, it just feels like, like, a waste of time. Even if they win the division this year, that's great, with right? The Host pressure, the playoff game with but the like, pressure of. Long, I'm looking is, at this long term, like, right, right. Well, is Tabo going to be? Is going to be the head coach three years from now? Probably not.
1: And like I said earlier, that's why it makes evaluating this so tough, because you have Tom Brady in his potential final year in the NFL, and it's like everybody wants to still win a Super Bowl. And regardless of if you're coming off of a Super Bowl staff or not, a change at head coach isn't always going to guarantee a smooth transition, and that's what the Bucs are going through right now. And a lot of people don't want to be patient, but, I, I mean, even though it's Tom's potential last year, it is still a first-year head coach. What's up, Sean?
0: Ty bowls is... In this position because of what side of the football?
1: The defense.
0: The Tampa Bay Buccaneers have lost a game this year where they've given up 14, where they've given up 20, where they've given up 21, where they've given up 27, where they just gave up 23. So that's why I'm hesitant to try and allocate blame on Todd Bowles because the defense has played good enough for them to be three, four games better. Like yeah, they, but why, like,
2: like the, the accountability yeah. thing on offense then? Like, that's kind of falling the head coach too. Then,
0: Yeah, well, then I think more of that, how does that play into to maybe what Tom had going on this offseason? Maybe not having Gronkowski. Maybe not having those three interior linemen. No, it, it hurts, about. for sure. Yeah, it hurts. Right. So, so, all I try to ever do is, like, look at the big picture, and if Bowles is an offensive guy, I would say, I mean, this ain't working. But as a defensive head coach, I mean, they haven't lost a game where they gave up more than twenty-seven points. And twenty-seven and twenty-three are two of the six losses. The other games were all less twenty points or less.
2: Or well, the Kansas City one wasn't, but well, that was thirty one. Yeah, they gave yeah. forty
0: one that game. Right. Now that's the one outlier. And I mean I mean, so you're talking five of those six losses where the defense really played winning football. So uh, I mean, if, if we're gonna like to be fair to Todd. Then then where's it's the, a, accountability? A, it's a, it's where's the
2: accountability for Byron then?
0: Well, I just think it's an offensive personnel issue. Like they don't have as good of players on offense as they had last year. Like the interior offensive line is obviously a, a, a situation. Like not having Gronkowski, we didn't think it was going to be drastic, but obviously it's been drastic. Is Mike Evans a step slower? is Brady lost a couple miles an hour on the fastball. Like, they don't have Antonio Brown. Not saying that he was the end-all be-all. I'm just saying it looks different. They've battled injuries. We still haven't really seen uh, Gage. Uh, Julio's missed a bunch of time. Chris Godwin didn't start the season. So I think when you when you look at like Leonard Fournette's out right now, I don't know if he's really injured or if they're in a the doghouse. Who knows what's going on with, with playoff Lenny? But I mean, if you look at why their record is what it is, it's been because of their inability to produce points on offense. Yeah. Like, those games that they lost, they scored 12-3, I think 17-1. and Like, and that's a personnel thing. They're not as good personnel-wise on offense as they have been – since Brady
2: got here. Me, but at the same time, they scored 17 yesterday, and part of the reason they didn't win was because of the head coach's time mismanagement. Well, and then let me ask you this
1: as well. I know we talk about the personnel on the oh, offense real, real side quick. of the okay, go ahead. A,
2: a note from Warren Sharp um about the, the Todd Bulls explanation thing. Warren Sharp notes that Tom Brady has not thrown a single interception in the fourth quarter slash overtime of a tie game in over a decade.
0: Oh yeah, I didn't defend Bowles on that. That's why I even went to say it didn't matter who the quarterback <laughs> was. Like he just he just mismanaged completely that last. But again, I think that was his pride in his defense more yeah, so than him sure him truly thinking Brady would throw a pick. Like so they did. They did have it fourth down, and I'm not. I, I really can't say Devin White didn't play the route correctly. I mean, it was almost, it's, it's, it, it's it, a, it was yeah, it's, by Njoku, yeah. right? So I mean, it took a miracle one-handed grab.
1: On on fourth down, but let me ask you one more question. This is about the offensive side of the ball. I know we just talked about the talent and, um, you know, some of those guys maybe not playing to the best of their ability, but this play calling with Byron Leftwich has been brought into question multiple times this year, and uh, there were multiple instances in the game on Sunday against Cleveland where we questioned it again. There was uh, one sequence that I talked about on the podcast right after the game where the Bucks needed, it was a long field. Granted, but um, I mean, you needed something, just something. It, execution, a couple of first downs, and uh, what we saw deep out of their own end of the field was a Chris. Uh, I'm sorry, a run up the gut, which Ryan. got maybe maybe a yard, a first down run up the gut, and then we saw a screen pass to Chris Godwin got for, about three for maybe two or three yards. And then we saw a screen pass to Chris Godwin. Got about two. Got about two (laughs) yards and took about 18 seconds off of the clock, all things considered. Um, I mean, this is a pattern. You know, this is a pattern with the offense. And, and I mean, there were even times this year where we talked about, you know, Mike Evans, his lack of production, his lack of touchdowns. Three, four weeks ago, we weren't talking about if Mike Evans had lost a step. We were talking about the fact that Tom Brady just hasn't been throwing to him in the end zone. And I, I know that that's going to come down to the quarterback. He's the one on the field making decisions, but I got to think there can be a much better effort made to try and get guys like Mike Evans open on a more consistent basis, especially in the end zone where the Bucs just have not scored points. I mean, they they couldn't even settle for field goals against Cleveland, and that probably would have won them the game.
2: Oh, it would have. If, if they you, kicked I, one field goal, it would have won them the game. would have made a two-score game.
0: If you ask me the one glaring, obvious um, difference between Bruce Arians being on the sideline and Bruce Arians being uh, not on the sidelines is the lack of consistent aggressive downfield passing attack. Part and of that, where, part
2: of that, I think, is the offensive line. They don't feel they have time.
0: And that's see, initially, I, I initially I thought that too, but then I went back and looked at Brady, some of Brady's Patriots tape, and you know, a lot of his tenure in New England, it was. Screen game, quick stuff to Welker. You know, he would play action and throw the ball down the field, but the majority of it was, you know, getting the ball out of his hand quick, getting the ball into, you know, especially those slot and Gronk, Aaron Hernandez type players' hands quickly. So I think what we're seeing here is, you know, not having Bruce on the sideline on the head say, hey guys, take shots, take shots, take shots. And you know, for whatever reason, we are having as much success in with our short stuff. Uh, not a whole lot of yards after the catch occurring. Whole lot of plays where you feel like one block away from it being a big play. You know, maybe one quicker cut. So, uh, I think that's where the lack of explosiveness, or at least the, that's where I see Bruce Aarons not being on the sideline having an impact.
2: Yeah. So, I, and actually, you know, the funny thing is, I remember multiple times in 2020 and 2021 fans complain that they're taking too many shots fans. Being like, <laughs> right. it's, it's, it's third and two and you're throwing the ball. down yards. the field." Yeah. yeah. You know, so, and now it's, you know, you're not throwing it enough down the field. So, uh, they just, they can't find that balance. All
1: right. So, uh, let's wrap up the show with this, Sean. Uh, I, I wanted to ask you about this to start the show, but I figure I'd wait a little bit and I'm curious to hear your take on it. Um, Twitter's always fun, right? Some some potential Twitter beef going on. Uh, just want to.
0: Be- not, Twitter's not Twitter's not a real place. I I so. know. Listen, I gotta remind <laughs>
1: myself that all the time, all the time. Um, but I guess there was a little spat between between you and former teammate Keyshawn Johnson. I guess accusations were made that you may or may not have taken your time serious as a Tampa Bay Buccaneer. Warren Sapp even had your back and came to your defense. Um, what happened there?
0: <laughs> well, I I don't think. I was the intended target, but I, I think Keyshawn forgot who ultimately he ended up making the target, so I had to remind him. Um, he was talking about Zach Wilson, and, uh, you know, that's something that's close to his heart. You know, he was a former Jet, you know, so uh, he was a part of, you know, that organization at some point and And explaining, you know, why he thought Zach Wilson – you know, not being a starting quarterback was the right decision. He kind of threw me under the bus. And I was like, hold on, (laughs) playboy. So, you know, sometimes, you know, your brother, I mean, you know, he speak out of turn, you know, he talks when he should listen, you know, Uh, so you have to just, you know, thump him on the ear. So that's all that was. I just had to thump him on the ear and remind him that, uh, oh, sir, you were the one that got sent home, not me. (laughs) And, uh, I think after your rookie year, you were writing the uh, books. Throw me the damn ball, so <laughs> we we're gonna we're gonna push you off the microphone when it comes to talking about uh, maturity <laughs> as young players in the National Football League, you know. But number but love for Key, but you know me, I, I'm meaning them to the Street, so I just had to <laughs> I had to remind him.
1: Well, let me tie it into this last question for you, and I guess how we can relate this to the Buccaneers today. When you look at this box team. I know we kind of went around the horn here and talked about all the potential problems in 2022, but wanted to wrap it up with the topic of maturity and, and effort. Do you think that is a legitimate problem for the Bucks this year? I it, Like these are grown men, you know, they know what they have to do. And Todd Bowles, even though he isn't as excitable as people think he can be, I do think he's capable of being a leader of men, but uh, people have brought it into question. And, and as long as they keep losing games, people are going to continue to bring it into question. But do you think that's an issue for the Bucks And, is that just something else holding them back this year? Because, I mean, I I don't know if you've seen it firsthand, you know.
0: I don't think so. I think defensively is more frustration. I think uh, they've endured a lot of criticism publicly. And I know internally when you're looking at the film and being like, damn, we gave up 14 points. What the hell are they talking about? You know, damn, we gave up 20 points. What the hell are they talking about? Damn, we gave up 17. You know, that'll frustrate you. And then when some of the plays that you're used to making, for whatever reason, you're not making them. When you used to, you know, stop the guy on third and fourth and and get off the field, now he's spinning out of it and and getting the first down. When you're chasing Patrick Mahomes to the sideline, you know, the last two years you've made that play. Now he gives you a little hezzy, throws a touchdown. So I think some – the outside criticism to me that's not justified based on the actual facts – It's frustrating, and then, you know, being in position to make some plays and not being able to make them. Also, I mean, from a turnover standpoint, they have not been very good. They've not caused a lot of havoc in forcing the other opposing team to turn the football over. So that's got to be frustrating. I think the offense, man, they're just getting old. I think if you're being honest, they're older, you know, uh, than they were in 2020 when Tom got here. And uh, I'm just telling you, if you go back and rewatch the Browns game, I think it was a, a like a jet sweep or like a, he Brady pitched it to him. I think he was faking like an outside zone or something. Watch how explosive Julio Jones looked. Yeah,
2: yeah, he, he flew out of Com-
0: there. Compared to these other guys, I mean, I love Mike Evans to death. I mean, he's going to go down right now, in my opinion, as the best Bucks wide receiver in the history of the organization. But, man, he ain't moving fast right now. You know, it, just being honest. Like, I, I, I I mean, don't feel, A guy like Chris Godwin,
2: feel. Godwin doesn't seem like he's all the way back, yeah. you know, from a major I, injury. I, I,
0: I don't feel any juice from the tight end position. Like, even running back. And I do this is one of my big pet peeves of Fournette. And Rashad White, he made some good runs, but I didn't feel any juice. Like, I didn't feel juice on the offensive side. And maybe it's just they're getting a little older.
1: Hey, I know we talked about Rashad White and his day running the ball against Cleveland. Uh, I was given a lot of praise to this Buccaneers run offense, you know, 50 plus rushing yards on the first drive of the game. But I also kind of went back and in context is important. One of those runs was 30 plus yards, 30,
2: 35 yards, yeah, yeah,
1: 35 yards. So outside of that, Rashad White, given the carries, you know, didn't do a whole lot, even though his yards per carry was pretty good you would have liked to see a little bit more consistent rhythm from the Buccaneers run game because uh, nine
0: catches, nine, nine catches though. So he showed that he's productive there. Yeah, for sure. So he'll be
1: something interesting to watch as uh, we get to the final, almost final quarter of the season. It's kind of crazy. You know, you get that feeling of, of, Oh, football's back. I can't believe football's back. And then it's after Thanksgiving and you're throwing away leftovers so uh you know with that being said ladies and gentlemen that's going to do it for today's episode of the cannon fire podcast with former bucks quarterback sean king pleasure to have you on as always where can the people follow you on social media and check out your content as well
0: uh, i have a show monday through friday here in las vegas uh, on the v-s-i-n network that's v-s-i-n from uh, three to six pacific so that would be what is that uh Six, six to, to, six to nine, nine Eastern. Six to nine yeah. Eastern. Yeah, uh, you guys can check us out. Uh, also on Twitter at Real Sean King on uh, Instagram at Coach Sean King, and of course right here on the Believe Network doing the Cannon Fire Podcast.
1: I heard you. Uh, I heard you made Evan a little bit of money this weekend.
0: He yeah, did. man. You know that's what we do. That's what we do. Anytime you need any help, man, just hit me up, man.
2: All right. Yeah. Never bet against Tulane. That's that's what I learned.
0: Well, man, we uh, we got a shot. We uh, got one more game to go. Uh, looks like it's going to be Willie Fritz's last. I heard he's taking the Georgia Tech job, but mm. hopefully we go out with a conference championship win.
1: Yeah, uh, It's been a fun year for college football. I know USF is in the middle of a head coaching hunt, so it hasn't been very fun for them this season. But aside from that, uh, it's been pretty interesting, especially with Bama falling out of favor in recent weeks. But with that being said, follow our show on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. All of those are Canon Fire Podcasts. best place to go for updates on the show. And, of course, Buccaneer news as it happens. Speaking of box news as it happens, you can follow my co-host Evan on Instagram at bucks underscore daily. You can also find him on Twitter at EvanNFL. Check out his written work at BucksNation.com. Last but not least, you can find myself, Instagram, and Twitter at Redicus, R-H-E-T-T-A-K-U-S if you follow me. I will follow you back. But that's it, folks. We'll talk to you later on this week for our game preview show, Week 13 Division Action. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers taking on the New Orleans Saints on Monday Night Football. Should be a great game. We'll get you warmed up for that one on the next edition of the show. I'm your host, Rhett Matthew, signing off for my co-host, Evan Wanish and Sean King. We'll talk to you in the next one. Retar
0: bowls. Free.
1: <laughs> we'll talk to y'all later this week with our game preview for week 13 until then and as always thanks for listening and go bucks
0: thank you for listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube